Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on Apple Podcasts. Dumpty 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 this is Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the archers and the goings on in Ambridge. I'm Stephen Bowden, who's calling in on the way to a trustees meeting in Holloton. And I'm Jacqueline Berto, who's definitely not the weakest link. And then there's you, our lovely Dumpty Dummers who are enthusiastically attaching cowhides to your walls with bonded wrench clamps. Are bonded wrench clamps a thing? Certainly not in my world. Neither are cowhides, but there we go. Welcome to Dumpty Dum, a show about our favourite country village. This week's episodes of The Archers are written by Nick Warburton. Some people love his writing, others not so much, but I thought he had a decent week. And he introduced us to an interesting new character, Hazel Thumbstick. Not another Hazel. Coming up, we have calls from... Stephanie, who is in despair about the men of Ambridge. Globetrotting Richard, who is lamenting lack of openness in relationships in Ambridge. Laura, who is wondering where Will got that idea from. Melly, who's been wondering, um, among other things, the villainous Marky. Catherine, who has some thoughts about Harrison and Fallon and Harry and Alice. Steve, who's been looking back over the last year and is wondering where some of the storylines have disappeared off to. Claire, who has a plot prediction about Harrison. And finally, Tracy from California. Welcome back, Tracy, who has a different plot prediction about Alice and Chris. We also have an email from Chris in Indiana. Plus, we have The Week in Ambridge by Suey, a roundup of the Dumpty Dum Facebook from Witherspoon, and the tweets of the week from Theo. But before we start talking too much, let's remind ourselves of what happened over the last seven days with a roundup of the week in Ambridge from Suey. Hello, lovely people. It's Suey here, Queen or Top on the Twitters and Blue Sky and all that. And it's time for a quick reminder of the week in Ambridge. David and Vince patch things up over a security light in the car park. They agreed that neither of them were competent enough to deal with the electric, and they had to call in the professionals. Thank goodness for that. Couldn't bear the thought of another death in David's hands. Jolene was ready for the professionals after another meeting in the supermarket coffee shop with Marky the gangster after Elizabeth took her on as a project. 
It sounds like Vince's gentle poking may have stirred up something of a hornet's nest. Vince also went and poached at Natasha in the tea room and surprised everyone that his number one tea room in Borchester wasn't Lower Loxley, but instead somewhere in Brampton Green. The end result was that they were going to convert the tea room into a beef eater and hang the walls with cow hides. Thankfully, there was nowhere locally to get the tanning done of their cow hides, and no one thought to suggest Clary Love might add tanning to all of her other activities. Tony has bought some hides off eBay, so that should all go swimmingly. Not. Harrison poked into Harry's past and discovered, Kel surprise, that he is a wrongun who has had multiple incidents with drinking, including driving under the influence. There was a lot of soul-searching as to what Alice should know and whether this will result in Harrison overstepping the equivalent of the Hippocratic Oath and getting the push from the police. Harry, who is increasingly sounding like Mr Toad, pushed off to Carlisle without Alice and Martha and Fallon slept on the sofa at Alice's. We didn't get to hear all of the evidence of the prosecution, but it sounds like there are eruptions ahead. Emma came up trumps and wrangled things with Miles to use the 10 acres he bought to graze the Texels. She was completely organised about it and had an actual plan. All this while getting a gold star for her coursework. They went on a walk with Miles and Will tagged along and appeared to be turning into Tom Forrest with his pointing stick and cries of, My old beauty. He has offered Emma and Will the money to set themselves up as tree surgeons by taking out a small mortgage, which may go some way to giving justice and peace to the Grundies. About blooming time. Oof, I can barely wait for next week. Have a good one. Thank you very much for that, Sui. Another brilliant roundup. So, Jacqueline, how was your week? I had a very quiet week. Having started with laryngitis last weekend, it then turned into some kind of horrible chesty thing. Still hanging around a bit, but I've kept inside and I've worked a lot on ferrets. Apart from one quick visit to do some translating at the hospital, fully masked up, which I had to do so I couldn't avoid that. So it's been a very quiet week for me and the ferrets are coming along. How about you, Stephen? It's been a fairly quiet week for me. The most exciting thing was probably that I bought a tent because I've got plans for the autumn of 2025 to do a long-distance trail over the mountains between Sweden and Norway, so starting on the Swedish Baltic coast and ending up in Trondheim in Norway. So it's about In the autumn? 30, yeah, in, in October. It's about 31 days. The trouble with that part of the world is that in the winter it's too cold. In the summer it's all midges. Yeah. In the spring the snow hasn't melted in the mountains. You have to get when the midges have gone, but the snows haven't arrived. And that's when I think I want to do it, because I want to do wild camping. And so in, up in the mountains, it should not go much below zero. So I wanted a tent that would be easy to carry and would work in those sorts of conditions, along with other bits and pieces. Yeah, well. your sleeping bag will be really important. I suggest an over-the-head hoodie sleeping bag like the British Army commandos use, which they actually sleep outside in them sometimes in Norway in the winter. Yes, I've got one of those. I, I thought about getting a, what are they called, a bivy rather than a, a bivy, tent. yeah. I think for a month I decided I'd get a decent tent. The footprint, I think, is that what they call yeah. it? So, so you, you put that down and peg it all out. I'll be trying it out for the first time in, in the early May bank holiday where I've got a very short camping trip with some friends. Well, that is exciting, and that's an exciting plan to have. I like a good plan for a holiday, and 
we've got a year and a half of you still being here, and then we'll all be searching for you in the Baltic somewhere after that. Yes, and I'll see if I can find places with Wi-Fi for Saturday mornings <laughs> and still record Dumpty Town. Uh, having my daughter and partner, having done the GR20 uh, across Corsica, we lost them for six days. No Wi-Fi, no mobile phone or anything. We knew it was going to happen, but it wasn't a pleasant feeling. So I, th- I have a feeling that your route's going to do the same thing somehow. Yeah, so um, isn't Corsica supposed to be a bit lacking in infrastructure? I mean, it's part of its beauty. Yeah. And of course, Napoleon didn't get where he was today with Wi-Fi and stuff like that. No, indeed. Shall we move on now? Having brought Napoleon up, Nelson. <laughs> yes, that, that's probably quite enough about that. So let's move on to our lovely caller in and they start with one of these. Hello, Tiger. <laughs> and first up, we have Stephanie. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Stephanie here calling in to say, oh, the men, oh, the men of Ambridge. I can't even, I just don't know where to start. The entitlement, the complete lack of consideration for anyone else, the wrong-headedness, the sheer time-wasting. What is wrong with the men of Ambridge? It's driving me insane. David needs to stop pretending he can run a pub, which he can't, and go and pick up the flat on the farm instead of leaving Pip and Ruth to deal with it. Will needs to keep his nose out. Vince needs to listen to what Jolene is is telling him. Adam and Tony, have they got nothing better to do with their time? Yeah, just all of them. I Well, not not all men, you know. Robert's okay. (laughs) Stops for a little week. Yeah, I just can't. I I can't work out whether this is something that the scriptwriters think is funny in the way that they think adults playing practical jokes and having hilarious bets with each other is funny, which A, it isn't, and B, never happens in real life, or whether they are trying to undermine the patriarchy by reflecting back to us what happens when men with little ability are encouraged to be confident and do whatever they think they can, which is everything. I'd like to think it's the latter, but I don't think it is. Let's have a, I don't know, let's have a women-only week. Let's have a men not being rubbish, just behaving like normal human men who are largely quite nice week. That would be good. Yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Oh, thank you for that call, Steph. That was very interesting. And I do feel sorry for you. You definitely sound desperate about the men in Ambridge. And I agree to a larger extent. There have been some very Wally-ish storylines recently. David going to the pub. I've never quite understand why he thinks he can drop everything when he's always so busy at the farm. Leaving Pip and Ruth alone with a bit of backup from Josh. But... Funny things about that. We heard the irritation of Pip last week, but then it hasn't followed through this week. And this is something that I'm a bit concerned about, that we have a nub of a story set around a farm or a character, and then we don't hear anything for a few weeks. It seems there seems to be something going on at the moment that I can't quite put my finger on. But about the men, building a picture of men being not like they normally are and not like they are in real life in general, although there are some 
very Wally-ish, as I said, people around. But in general, the Archer's men are fairly everyday. Yeah, I think Tony has been featured a bit this week. I and mean, obviously we'll have further discussions about the likes of Harry and Harris and, mm. and to some extent the Grundys. But nobody really called in about the cow heights. And Tony's whole approach this week is getting terribly enthusiastic about that to the extent of not bothering to check on whether traditional tanneries are, are still around. Interestingly, they said that the nearest tannery is 300 miles away. I think yeah, there's only one traditional tannery left in Britain, and that's down on the Dorset coast. Yeah, as I say, Dorset or Devon, one of the two, isn't it? Yeah, I, and that's only, I think, 150 miles away or so from Ambridge. So I'm not sure where this 300 miles comes from. Maybe it's 300 miles round. Yeah, no, and I agree. Tony did go at that very balloon of China shopish. Sorry, Steven. <laughs> but it was also him looking for and searching for things and being irritated on the computer. He sh- showed himself to be slightly incompetent at almost every level. And that follows straight on from the week where we've had him and Adam playing stupid jokes, which, as you know from last week's podcast, thoroughly irritated me. So one of the things I thought was with the writing this week was that there was a big contrast between Emma and the men in general. Yes, Emma and her dealings with Mars Titchener. She had been really organised about that and thoroughly gripping all this. I think she's coming into an element, in a way, in getting into this whole business of pre-surgery and her stuff about climbing mountains. And Yeah, I thought that was first objective is base two, where you have a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a sandwich, always that base one. Yeah, poor, poor old Ed. There was, uh, I think we saw a lot of contrast between Emma and the men in her life this week. That's what I was trying to say, to, to link it to what Stephanie was saying about, oh, the men in Umbridge, which, as I said, I agree with. But Emma, she went out and did the Miles Titchener thing. He admitted to Ed that he already decided it was a good thing after her phone call, really. But I didn't like the fact that her and Will considered Ed to be the weakest link. Will was kind of interfering. Somebody talks about Will later on, so in another call, so maybe we should leave that for then. But I thought Emma, Emma was a bit imbalanced this week. She was either very, very good or very, very ridiculous. But she was upset when Will described Ed as the weakest link. She, uh, yeah, but no, no, no. I think she was. Oh, well, I think you've made me think now. Because no, so Will described Ed as the weakest link, and Emma took umbrage at that. Rightly, she's incredibly defensive about Ed even if she might believe some of what was it she said about Ed, that he was better with sheep than people at times. Yes, exactly. And I didn't think that was a very nice thing to say, really. No, Ed is, I think, better with people than Will is. I do as well. I think Will is kind of, uh, 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 and Ed is much more. Anyway. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves in terms of calls. (laughs) So let's move on to our next call. And this one is from Richard, who is not globetrotting, right? Richard calling in from Lisbon. Nice to hear there's another listener in Poland. Hi, Emma. I thought I was the only archers listener in the country. Minus 20, goodness. Well, it's not so cold here. It was 18 degrees centigrade yesterday. Normally, I call in about business, and I do have a business remark if I've got time, but I'm struck about the lack of openness in relationships as a default in Ambridge. Harry isn't being open with Alice. I'd expect them early in the relationship to be sharing what they're up to on a daily basis. Actually, really sneaking off down the boozer by himself and not telling her. I suppose she might have known he was going there, but he should be fessing up and soon about the fact he's, he's an alcoholic or a blind drunk. I suspect that either this may bring them closer to bed, closer together, 
as they reboot what's going on or in maybe the beginning of the end. I hope they get together. He's an interesting character, if not altogether likable. Kenton and Jolene. Well, Jolene's not being open with Kenton and is being open with Vince, which is pretty bizarre. Vince is being open with Jolene and not being open with Elizabeth, although he did receive that information in confidence. What was Vince up to in his business past that he's got roots into the lethal, dog-biting, violent underworld? And normal business people don't have people they can call to look into that sort of thing, at least in my experience. Maybe I'm in the wrong or rather in the right line of business. I hope that Natasha and Vince develop a business friendship with them, but that perhaps they could start mentoring the Grundus. There are possible business support loans funded by the government. They need to come up with a business plan. They need about 380 quid a month. But for goodness sake, start talking to customers. I think that Emma's got it in her to make a go of this. But boy, do they need some mentoring from somebody who knows about business. Bye, and thanks for all the hard work. Thank you for that call, Richard. On your points about openness, yes, I agree that the lack of openness between Harry and Alice in particular is pretty worrying. You say this will either bring them together or it'll drive them apart. My feeling is very much in the latter space because this is a massive breach of trust. Harry has just not coughed up to a very fundamental point about him after Alice has done. So Alice has been fully open and honest and decent with Harry. And he's betrayed that with behavior, which I wouldn't be annoyed with that, Alice, for finding unforgivable. And I think that basically she should run from this because she needs to look after herself. She needs to focus on alcoholism and, and managing that. And she can't afford to carry a liar like Harry. And I should note at this point that having previously said that I've been giving Harry the benefit of the doubt up to now, I'm afraid no longer. He is definitely a bad thing. And I think that he should be avoided. I, I, I think that it will do Alice. She certainly shouldn't try and rescue him or anything like that. No, I, I agree. She has to really concentrate on herself and her alcoholism and Martha and her life at the stables, the working and all the rest of it. She's going to have a very bad time coming to terms with it. And I agree. I wanted her to have a good relationship. So I know everybody said it always sounds like a bad one right from the start, but I, did, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt too, although his voice creeped me out a bit uh, at the beginning. Uh, it was the change. It was the anger and then the smarminess that I didn't like at the beginning. But Alice does have to save herself. Yes. Whether she will be able to or not is another thing. Richard also talked about Natasha and Vince together as business minds. Well, so far, the idea they've come up with, although I love the conversation with Vince about the second best tea room, and I agree with Sui in her roundup that I was convinced he was going to say Lower Loxley, so then some other random place in wherever it was, Brampton Green, wasn't it? Yeah, the Jolly Trivets. The Jolly Trivets, that's right. But I am completely and utterly disgusted by the whole cowhide storyline. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a great meat eater, but I'm not a vegetarian, but... This clean, scandy look. Those people who are on our Facebook page will have seen a, a scandy-style restaurant that in New York that our Witherspoon posted photos of. Very bare, and the sound in a restaurant is very important. But there's so much textile out there that you could use that would make a real difference to the ambience of the place That without going down the cowhide. or Even if it's, I don't know, just even 
plain merino wool throws, knitted throws over things, chairs on wall hangings. So much more you can do other than go down the cowhide land that is earth, as uh, Sue said, beef eater. Yeah, there's a huge difference between sheepskin throws on the one hand and Ikea sell those, so they yeah. are a bit scandy, and cowhide, and that's got a completely different vibe. That's more of your Western yeah. vibe almost. And I certainly have never, in my travels in Scandinavia, I have never cr- come across cowhides, but then, of course, cows aren't that big a thing in Scandinavia. They haven't had moose hides on either. <laughs> seals, seals, seal hides. No, they're flat. The whole point of a, a sheepskin is that it's thick and woolly and can absorb more. People have them on the floor. Babies, you, you buy particular ones for babies to sleep on to keep them cool or warm or whatever. But, you know, not cowhide. Please, not cowhide. It's ridiculous. Just picking up on Richard's point about Emma and Ed, and as a business proposition, not talking to customers. This call came in before Friday's episode. The reason for the lack of bank loan was more around the lack of a plan B if something terrible goes wrong. So if Ed accidentally cuts his foot off with a chainsaw and takes a while to recover, they've got no reserves to fall back on, rather than Richard's point, which I think was just as valid, which is... How many customers have they got? How many trees are there that require surgery? And is there a gap in the market? If there's a gap in the market, why have more people not been hit by falling trees? I suppose Emma, they can't afford a tree. But even so, I'm not sure that that's enough proof that there's a business case. We haven't heard what their plan is, their forecast for the number of trees to cut down and so No, we don't know what their business plan is. We haven't had sight of that. That's remiss of us, isn't it? Yeah. Shall we move on to our next call, which I think is another Grundy-related one, and it's from Laura. Hello, it's uh, Laura from Bedfordshire. Just ringing up after listening to Monday's episode. Just made me laugh, because when did Will become Ambridge's chief negotiator in all business deals? I just found that so funny, walking into the cafe, just expecting um, Ed and Emma to want him to completely manage this whole conversation (laughs) with the Titchens. Or Titchener, sorry, in Miles. Yeah, it confused me a little bit. I didn't really understand it, where it came from and why that would be happening at all. So, yeah, just a bit bemused by the whole situation. <laughs> yes, thank you for that call, Laura. Short and sweet and very much to the point. Funnily enough, in front of me are my notes that I was making as I was listening to that episode. And all I've written is, Will, question mark, why is he there? Hazel thumbstick, question mark. I was equally amused by the whole thing. I couldn't work out why he'd ended up at the tea room with them at that time. And also, when he took them to the bank, did they not have a car at all now? What was the reason? Why did he take them into Borsetshire, Stephen? I think it may be that they were still without a car after the tree came down on Uh, Emma's car. So it was either taxi or, or bus, or I suppose they could walk wouldn't be great going to a bank having walked six miles in. <laughs> no, exactly, in the rain, because it bound to have been raining this week. The whole purpose of Will became clear by the end of the week, I felt. I felt that it, we, if Will hadn't been around and Will had then just suddenly offered them on Friday £30,000, that would have been weird. So the fact that Will was around during the time when they were negotiating with Miles, during the time that they were preparing to go in hysterically to the bank, 
the moods of Emma Grundy this week have been quite dominant. Yes, I agree that the earlier scenes were on Monday were a setup for Will's decision on Friday. But I'm not quite sure what is motivating Will. He's got his own problems because he's living in number one, the green. So he's lost the rent from that. He's going to lend Ed and Emma £30,000 when his parents are really struggling at the moment. That seems a bit an odd choice of priorities. And of course, he's got the evil little scroat that he lives with to worry about. And his reaction. He's suggesting that they'd be doing the website design for Ed and Emma. I suppose nah. he's got form in that space, which wasn't all bad. But even so, it does seem a bit implausible, a bit plucked out of the air. And we get back into the whole question of whether the Grundys things go right or wrong for them. And so yes. is this presaging a disaster further down the line for one or other of them? Yeah, maybe. I, I, don't, I can't really go there because I desperately hope that something good will happen for them. This part of the family, even if it's always going to go downhill with Clary and Eddie, we'll see. Yes, we've still got the whole question of the almshouses and where that storyline is going. Then again... It was never plausible that Oliver was going to kick them out. It's only 10 out of the 50 acres and so on. But we've discussed that in the past. No doubt it will come back to be discussed again. So let's move on to our next call, which is on a different topic, and it's from Melly McMerriweather. Hello, Jacqueline. I'm Stephen, and I've been talking It's Melly McMerriweather calling in at 7.17 on Wednesday. About six minutes ago, I thought I had a plot prediction. But no, it's all just played out. Where has it? Oh, Harry. Mm-mm. You missed a trick. The second Harrison said, I looked you. I'd like to do that. GDPR? You have to have just reason. And a personal reason. Not a just reason to access records like Jeez. Maybe this is why Harrison's boss has made a little reappearance. I'll be honest, I had to listen to Sunday, Monday, Tuesday when I get in from work, just so that I could listen tonight. I love the hints and things on the Facebook pages. I know other people don't. I don't mind them in the slightest. This is going to be a juicy one. Let's see where this one goes. And the whole Vince Elizabeth. Here's my other question. I wonder if, what if this guy actually fell in dad? I don't know about timeline, Stephen. Obviously you will, and other people will. I don't. Yes, it's actually, I think probably because I've listened to four episodes on the trot. Rather interesting week. Anyway, give up the good work. Speech is in. Bye. Thank you for that call, Melly. I think you talked about the business between Harry and Harrison's, and Harry's threat almost, that if Harrison talks about his criminal past or his record, he will get into trouble. We got an email on that from Chris, so I might pick up that point later on and some of the, the issues around the whole business of criminal records and so forth. But you also came up with this interesting suggestion that Marky might in fact be Fallon's father. Now, in terms of timelines, it's entirely plausible. Jolene wasn't particularly around when Fallon was born. She arrived fully formed. But we have always believed Fallon's father is Wayne Tucson, now working bull, and there has never been a suggestion of anything else. Fallon has always had issues with him, and they're the sort of issues I think that you wouldn't have with a stepfather or something like that, because 
you can wash your hands with a stepfather far more than you can of your biological father. So Fallon, I think, certainly believes that Wayne is her father, and nobody has ever suggested otherwise. So it's a fascinating idea. I'm not totally convinced, I'm afraid, but the great thing about this podcast is people calling in with interesting speculations that make you think about things you might otherwise not think about. What do you think, Jacqueline? Yeah, indeed. I completely agree with uh, what you said. The the fact that, yeah, it could be that. Because we don't know anything of Jolene's backstory, the Belle of Leighton Cross. Is that what she was called? The Lily of Leighton Cross. The Lily of Leighton Cross, that's right. I knew it was something much more onomatopoeic. So this is a good idea. Good idea, Melly. Keep taking the tablets and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the days to come. Luckily, I know Melly very well. She won't mind me saying that. And I agree with you, this week has been an interesting week. Not a dramatic week, but a building week. Putting lots of things together, the discovery of Harry, where the next bit of the story will go, the discovery of Harry's private life, as it were, uh, and where the next things will go, the development of Vince, and as as, uh, Richard said, the lack of openness between Kenton and Jolene. Very interesting to see how that develops. So yeah, I agree with you completely, Melly. A good, interesting week. Yeah, the, the lack of openness between, it was between Jolene and Kenton and between Vincent and Elizabeth. I think that's the political reasons, and so it's understandable. It ramps up the drama, mm. but as you say, we, we shall see. Let's move on to our next call, and this one is from Catherine. Hi, everyone. It's Catherine. Friday afternoon, ringing off, I'm sure, like most of us are, about the whole Harrison story. Because it's taken an interesting twist, hasn't it, from where we thought the mother was evil for controlling his relationship with Alice to actually the mother being wise, because mothers are always wise. Jacqueline will agree. But I have some experience of alcoholism in the family, and the three C's spring to mind that Harrison and his wife, whatever she's called, Fallon, haven't really realised. And why should you? Because nobody knows anything about these great life events until they're thrust into you, and then you have to do some very grown-up behaviour. And uh, I went to an Al-Anon group meeting. I recommend them if you're related to an alcoholic at all. I only went once, but it was just the greatest weight off my shoulders. And um, they said to me that you can't control it, you can't, didn't cure it, and you did cause it. I'm sure they're probably in the wrong order. But the three Cs, cause, control, cure. And at the time, we were trying to do an intervention to save the family of, of my sister, as it was, actually. She doesn't mind me saying. We were worried we were trying to stop her going to rock bottom. And it was pointless, as they pointed out to me, that her partner, who by then had left, he came back, it's all a happy ending, couldn't control it. So the idea that they're going to stop it by her sleeping over, by stopping this, it's really, really common. And I understand that they're coming from a good place, but it's not going to work out if he is an alcoholic. And if you're an alcoholic, you don't have to be drinking all the time. Apparently, it's just the anticipation of alcohol. That makes me a bit worried about how much I'm about to go out to the pub and enjoy a glass of wine. It's the anticipation of alcohol. And one alcoholic I've met through my sister always was the driver, never drank at all at parties and things like this because she wanted to drink properly when she got home and she'd drink to obliteration. So there you are, some thoughts on alcoholism. I hope they help somebody. Do go to Al-Anon if you need help. Bye-bye. Thank you for that call, Catherine. Yeah, mums are often wise. Sometimes we don't recognise it until much later. But yes, mums are wise. I've got a bit of experience in a similar kind of family member whose story didn't end quite as happily as as your sister's, which I'm very, very glad to hear. Yeah, Alcoholics Anonymous, Tix Anonymous, or or, uh, Na Anon, who are the equivalent of Al Anon. Yeah, control, cure and cause. And that's something that 
Harrison should probably know a bit about through this training as a policeman. I don't know how, because he's a community policeman, isn't he? A Bobby on the, in the village, as it were. He's not a detective. He's not a detective, but he's not a village police officer. There isn't one of those anymore. No. They closed the police house, I think. George was the yeah. last one of George those. George Barford, wasn't he? So yeah. he's now a just a, he's a uniform copper, uniform sergeant, uniform sergeant in Borchester. Control, cure, and cause is a very important part of the twelve-step program for those supporting alcohol licks and narcotics users. And like Catherine, I would urge anybody who is supporting a family member through any of those things to use these associations. Go to them. Meet like people in the similar positions. Yeah, let's hope that Alice is keeping to her mentor and keeping with her mentor because we want this to be a happy ending for Alice and Martha. I don't want it to go down another spiral for her. So yeah, and we had good promotion of Al-Anon and Alcoholics Anonymous in the Archers over the last few years. And I would encourage anybody to keep, to use those groups. I've had, yes, much less experience of dealing with alcoholism than Catherine and indeed and you. I haven't been in the position where a family member has been dealing with this. So I ha haven't been in the position where I've gone to something like Al-Anon. And I do think that there's a difference between the situation that Harrison and Fallon are in respect of Alice, where they are friends and they will want to do that. And then the relationship between Alice and Harry, where, as I said earlier, I think that Alice probably is better off not trying to support Harry, mm. but actually walking away. I don't think that the relationship between them, given the lack of openness on Harry's part, I don't think Alice owes Harry anything. And as I said before, she needs to focus on herself. She obviously didn't cause Harry's problems. She can't control them and she certainly can't cure them. But I think that her best bet is not even to get involved and support her. I mean, it sounds a bit harsh, maybe. He hasn't been around for that long and I think that he's a bigger problem than she can deal with. If he'd been open from the start, yeah, they could have worked through it together on a basis of trust and openness and honesty. But he yeah. hasn't been, so yeah. basically been him. That's what I would say. Uh, and as I said before, I agree. Now, a lot of people are saying, bin him and get back with Chris. And I don't agree with that either. Yes, okay. It would be better for Martha to have her parents together. Maybe. But they've gone through a lot. And Chris wasn't always supportive of Alice during her very alcoholic phases. He wasn't very supportive of her when she was trying to get clean. So there's too much hurt and past. And I think they're better off parenting separately as well as parenting together, but not being together. I agree with that. I think that he was pretty censorious at times. Mm. Personally, I've, I blame Susan and the way that she brought her children up for that. So there you are. That's an interesting point, Stephen. That's a very interesting point. We don't talk about what we see the other parents have done. And Susan is a point, in fact, that she has brought up two children. We've seen Chris at his worst. We've seen Chris at his best. We've seen Emma at her absolute worst and still continuing to have very chip on her shoulders is an expression that keeps coming to mind. I don't really know whether I mean that, but there's something about Emma. She has this spark. She has this positiveness. She's great. She dealt with Miles brilliantly this week, but 
she's not behaving well all the time and she's got that bit of a mother in her. <laughs> yes, I think what we need is to encourage people to call in with definitely further thoughts about that. And I know that also there are papers on this sort of topic regularly at Academic Archers, which we'll mention briefly later. Anyway, those were the first few calls. There are more to come, which we'll hear very soon. And if you'd like to join in by calling us yourself, just a suggested one, call in and tell us what you think about parenting in Ambridge, perhaps, or dropping us a line by message or email. Jacqueline is here to tell you how, and all the details are also in the show notes. The first option is to record a message or a plot prediction by going to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumptydum. And don't forget that T in the middle. The next option is to send us a voice note or a message via WhatsApp on 07810-012-881 or add a plus four four and remove the first zero if you're calling from outside the UK. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. But we also have an email address that you can contact us on if you would rather write to us with your views. Maximum of 250 words, please. The email address is dumptydum at mail.com. Do bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to contribute. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now let's get back to our calls. And next up is Steve. Hello, it's Steve here. I've been listening to the Archers for about a year and called in a few times last year, but I've, I've started listening to the Omnibus instead. So I'm generally a week behind, so it's hard to call in. But this time, I thought, given I've been listening for a year, I did a bit of a retrospective on my views of the Archers over the last year. So firstly, really enjoying it, really enjoying listening to it and listening to this podcast. Secondly, last year, it seemed like there were two really big stories that dominated the year. There was the death of Jenny at the start, and then there was the return of Rob in the middle of the end. So they were the two big stories. And then in between, there were some sort of medium-sized stories 
like Penn Stella and George Fletcher being in sale and uh, going on at Great Gables. But there were two really big stories. And I'm wondering what the next big story is going to be. Is it going to be, it's going to be Harry and Alice? I don't think so. It feels like a medium story. Maybe it's going to be the Black Country Mafia attacking Kenton again, maybe. I don't know. I'm looking, interested to know what the next big story is going to be. And then secondly, there's just a few loose ends from last year. I'm wondering if they're going to be tied up. So firstly, there was Adam's Irish sister, who he met and then never saw again in about one episode. Unless the story there was just that she realized how boring Adam was and just never wanted to talk to him again. Then there was the sticky door at Brian's cottage. So when he moved in, there was a sticky door. I thought, that's definitely going to be important, but then never mentioned again. But maybe that's going to be really important this year. And there's finally this Ardil. So there was a load of time spent on building up and get us getting to know Ardil's character. And then he just left. And I really hope he's going to come back. I just, yeah, I wonder if we're going to see Ardil again. So there we go. This is a bit of a ramble. But those are my views of the last year of the Archers. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for that call, Steve. And actually calling in with a, a longer term perspective rather than the events of the week gives us really nice variety. In terms of the big stories, I feel that at the moment, the whole Harry and Harrison bit is brewing up into quite a big story. I'm particularly concerned about Harrison and his apparent breach of what he's supposed to do as a policeman, which I think we'll get onto in a bit. But I think that that's got potential to have ripples, even if it doesn't quite shake Ambridge to the core. So that would be my prediction for the, the current big story. Those are, again, the whole dogs and so forth, the, the attack on Kenton and the mysterious Marky. That's one of these other stories I may not be quite as big. That may just be a bit of uh, slight archery nonsense when it comes down to it. I'm not quite as invested in that story. Perhaps I should be. I also agree with you that several storylines have gone missing. Adam's sister, Erin. We never found out, for instance, whether she was genuine. I was convinced, and I remain convinced, that she was a scammer and that she'd attempted to see if she could get something out of Adam and disappeared off without having done so. But I thought that we would find out a bit more about that. Mm -hmm. I did too, yeah. That was a really, real funny dead end. And I'd forgotten about the sticky door at Blossom Hill Cottage because I think a lot of us reacted when that happened and thought, Brian's going to have a heart attack or fall down the stairs or something, and then nobody's going to be able to get in to rescue him, and it'll be terribly, terribly dramatic. And maybe that still will happen, and maybe that's a seed that they have planted a while back Which that they will like to eventually do. come out. Yeah, yeah, they do like to. I'm still waiting for the big accident's going to happen on those steps on the outside of the shop up to the flat where Chris now lives, because that was a they made a big thing of that a couple of years ago. And I've put the sticky door in the same cupboard waiting to be drawn out at some point as those steps. Yes, there could be people falling down the stairs all over Ambridge. Because the other place that, again, there was mention of rickety dangerous stairs is Rickyard Cottage. Yeah. And the issues around when that was Toby and Pip staying there. So <laughs> lots of lethal places in the, in the village. And of course, with Ed and Emma possibly about to go into tree surgery. <laughs> As people have commented elsewhere, there is a bit of a track history with Grundy's and chainsaws in that, or not strictly Grundy, it was Larkin at the time, but Clary's father died in a tree surgery accident. It happens a lot in the countryside, I'm afraid. We have a lot of tree tree cutting going on at this time of the year around here, and there have been two people recently here who were killed in tree surgery kind of accidents, one of which was a tractor accident as well, which isn't... 
much fun either. Another danger of living in the countryside. There was, I think that's brilliant, Steve, to look back over the last year, especially as you are a new listener and come to the Archers with a very fresh, clean eye. And thank you for sticking with the Archers and sticking with Dumpty Dum for the last year. So, because a lot of people I think give up after a few months, but keep at it. You'll soon be there. You'll soon be in, in double figures. It'll fly by. Keep giving us updates of what you think. That's the Archers that they give up after a few months. I think once they're into Dumpty Dum, you're with us for life. Indeed, Stephen. <laughs> and talking about people who've been with us, if not for life, for a very long time, let's hear from Claire. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Just off the back of Friday's episode, I have a plot prediction, although not a very original one. People have been saying it for ages. And that's obviously that Harrison and Fallon are going to be the next landlords of the bull. And I just thought that with all the revelations tonight about Harry and also Harry's threats to Harrison, the, the likelihood of Harrison losing his job, being sacked from the police for revealing sensitive information uh, has grown much closer, especially if Alice is going to confront Harry about it. I'm sure Harrison had an opportunity there to say, well, you know, he's going to know you, I told you, and then he's going to get me sacked. Uh, I sort of respect him not mentioning that, but still. Yeah, so that's a shame. I hoped that Alice would have a nice sort of decent relationship with a affable but slightly hapless chap. But I never really trusted Harry. There's always been something about him that doesn't quite feel right. So, yeah, it's a shame all the stuff that's come out in the last week or so. And I think it's not unusual that people with alcohol addiction problem don't really drink in company. And it's just sort of very secretive issue. And, and people are very surprised. <laughs> that's certainly been stories I've heard around recovery spaces. So that's not unusual. But, uh, but it is a shame anyway. And let's hope Alice can come through it well. And I'm hoping this is a chance for her to prove how her recovery is in much stronger place. It would be nice to see that happen, wouldn't it? And I feel for Harrison. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's often stuck between a rock and a hard place, isn't he? Anyway, keep up the good work. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you for that call, Claire. Yeah, I agree with you entirely on this. I think it's a very sad story for Alice that I really wanted her, as I said earlier, to have a good been relationship with somebody who she found attractive, enjoyed being with, with where she can slightly move beyond her addiction. She was very open about it in the first place, and that was a prime opportunity for him to be open about it. Now, we don't know whether he's pretending he doesn't drink or we don't know where he's coming from, but he's obviously been going, been in an alcoholic type of world for quite a while to have already lived out a driving ban, etc. So it'll be interesting. But I hope that Alice can come through this without Harry um, and become a stronger person because of it. I just wanted to meet somebody pleasant who pleases her and who she can have a more straightforward relationship with within the realms of her recovery. I quite agree. I think this is really going to knock her back. It took her a lot of effort a lot of soul searching and so forth before opening to Harry about her situation. Yeah. She then immediately got the kickback from Eve and will feel that and just admitting it in a perfectly decent way it isn't going to allow her to escape from her past. And then on top of that, when she finds out quite what Harry is like, that's going to really double down, triple down on all yeah. of that. And I don't know what Harry's, exactly Harry's problem is, 
But the main thing is he doesn't recognise that he's got a problem. And I don't think Alice could or should be involved in somebody who can't face up to the stuff Alice has worked so hard to face up to. She's been through all that difficult stuff. Yeah, even when she went through the difficult phase last week with Eve batting her back and telling her basically to, to get out of their lives, Eve wasn't honest with her either. And it is a shameful thing. We heard Catherine say earlier on, being an alcoholic in private is very much a thing that people do. So Eve is obviously was obviously concerned as much for Alice as for her son. But at the time, we really hated that woman, didn't we? Because we thought she'd been very mean to Alice. Alice was distraught. And there were so many opportunities for Harry to be honest. And he yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about Eve. I don't know what Eve knows about Harry and his situation. He could be hiding yeah, all those true. problems from her as well. So that complicates things. Just going back to Claire's initial prediction of Fallon and Harrison taking over the pub. Yes, I'd, Fallon is the obvious person to be the next licensee at the bowl. I just wonder whether it's going to be sooner or later, mm. because I still fancy the idea of Fallon running the tea room at the EV charging station and driving the British Farm tea room into the dust in the process before perhaps be wonderful. <laughs> leaving it to Emma and moving on to the bowl in the fullness of time. But of course, if Harrison is in trouble, yeah then we may find that having to happen sooner rather than later with Kenton perhaps having the stuffing knocked out of him, Jolene having the stuffing knocked out of her. There are lots of signs that would yeah. make a, a generational change at the ball yeah. logical. Yeah, very much so. Maybe a, a parallel working along the lines together for a couple of years, although I'm not sure the finances will hold up to that because we already know that the bull is only just making it's making money for them. I think that's the impression we've certainly got over the last couple of months. So interesting to see. A, yeah. a new broom <clears throat> in a pub might change it, and it's a village hub, isn't it? Could be, could be a good thing, but as you say, you prefer her to go to the charging station. We'll see what happens. I wonder whether she knows in her heart that the bull is her ultimate destiny, but she wants to stay away from it. As, as long, long as, as possible. possible. <laughs> exactly. Let's have our final call. And this is a call from somebody who we haven't heard from for quite a while, but we're really glad to have her back. It's Tracy from California. Tracy from California here. Okay. So, yes, it's been a long time. I've been busy. So, my bad. Anyway. Hi, everybody. So, this is my plot prediction. There's going to be some sort of kerfuffle with Sherry. And then Chris is going to swoop in and save Alice. And they'll go back to being all happy families. And then Amy's going to show up with some, like, baby that sounds like Susan when it cries or something weird. But <laughs> that's my plot prediction. I also don't understand why Harrison didn't say, I need you absolutely not to mention any of these details. I know you're upset, blah, blah, but it could, you could risk my job. I could lose my job if you say anything. And Harry threatened to make me lose my job if I said anything. So it's imperative that whatever you decide to do, you never mention that you got any information from me, no matter how emotionally wound up you get. But he didn't do that. He doesn't sound like a man who's worried that his job is at risk. The other thing I want to do is appreciate the writers for the storylines that invite us to consider ideas of 
privilege that came up with Helen and it also is coming up with Jolene. You know, they're the police just don't respond to everybody in the same way. And that's not just across racial lines, it's also socioeconomic, you know, social class. So this idea of just call the police doesn't always work for everybody. And sometimes you do have to go through community means to get things taken care of. Hence her discussions with Vince. So I appreciate the intricacies in these plot lines where we're invited to explore that there are different ways and different responses in society. Anyway, that's it. Ta-da. P.S. My tie at the end of my last call, this is Tracy again, was actually saying ta as in thank you, not ta-ra as in goodbye, because I'm still around. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tracy, for that call. I love your opening prediction with Chris swooping in to save the day and then Amy turning up with a baby that looks like Susan. I think that's brilliant. I also think it might be just slightly too much soapy for, for the archers. I, I think that it's a lovely way of tying things together and bringing people back. But I, I just think it must be a little <laughs> bit over the top. A step too far there. <laughs> yes. On Harrison and what he may or may not have said to Alice, I guess we missed the bulk of that conversation. Mm. And that we do know that Harrison is worried about revealing stuff that he only knows to the police. And my concern is, given his conversations he's already had with Harry, if Alice says anything to Harry that makes Harry think that Alice knows about his drinking and his driving ban and so forth, he will immediately assume that it's Harrison who has told her that sort of stuff. So I think that Harrison is doomed in this case having he's already gone too far i thought he was it was good policing to try and check up on harry but having found out what the situation was i think he should have got advice from inspector norris before he moved anything yeah i agree i, I think uh, as claire said he's between a rock and a hard place because he's got all this information in his head now and he has to speak to all the parties involved and fallon without revealing too much. And it's, it must be muddling him about who said what and where, how each person's reacting, especially when Alice was definitely treating him in such an angry way because she was angry when he turned up in the office to talk to her, didn't want to talk to him, tap, tap, tap on her computer keyboard. I think that he's... Harrison, I don't want him to lose his job over this, but I think it's going to have those kind of repercussions that... Inspector Norris is definitely going to be bending his ear a bit in the next week or so. Yes, I th think it's one of the reasons why Harrison isn't the village copper and why we don't really have village coppers anymore is because the conflicts of interest, that role would generate this sort of thing that Harrison has unfortunately walked into. Yeah. Are, are what the idea of posting him in uniform to Borchester rather than being the village copper mm. were attempting to address. He shouldn't, on a day-to-day -day basis, have anything to do with his home village. Yeah, exactly. The only thing about Harry being arrested by Harrison on that Friday night in Borchester, there were quite a lot of people there, and we already know the grapevines are wild and very windy. Somehow, I imagine that Alice may eventually have heard about Harrison arresting Harry through other people. There are always people out in, on Friday night in Borchester she comes from a world of people who would go out uh, drinking and partying and whatever, you know, pubs. 
I'm just surprised that the, the world won't come back to her anyway. We might have a bit of a discussion about that shortly. Oh, because those are our calls. Thank you very much for calling in. And we do love to hear from you. We love the variety. And don't imagine that everybody's going to call in about an interesting topic. Sometimes there's a big event in Ambridge and nobody calls in about it. And <laughs> perhaps that's because everybody's expecting everybody else to call in about it. So everybody's got different views. We love hearing from them. The more of you that call in, the greater the diversity and the more interesting the discussion we get. Now, did we receive any emails or WhatsApp messages this week? Well, you know we did because you told us earlier on, Stephen, on your part of the script. <laughs> we had a message from Chris with the title of Holy Harrison. And it goes like this. Dear Stephen, Jacqueline and all Dumpty Dum Dum Dum. He's written it very strangely. Dumpty Dum Dum. Dumpty Dum Dum. <laughs> That's a new one. This week in Ambridge, Harrison Burns continues to win the prize for least valuable cop. This week, Continuing to not only stay away from Jolene's case, but be more or less indifferent to it, Harrison becomes obsessed with Harry Chilcott, hounding him to get unexplained help from an unexplained man until finally Harrison says he knows vague someone's on the police force, and if Harrison tells Alice, Harry will have him fired, which brings us up to the nonsense of Fallon and Harrison not being able to tell Alice about Harry's arrest. But arrests are a matter of public record, and several people saw this one. What's more, it probably isn't the first, and if Harry's mother knows about Alice, there's no reason several people wouldn't know about Harry. This email is getting long, and I haven't even talked about bull hides in the tea room or Jolene being threatened for we don't know what, and still not going to the police or getting help. And why is Vince still even on this show? Oh well, I'm off to eat a bed Valentine yogurt. Maybe the aphrodisiacs in it will put me in a more romantic spirit until next week. Chris in Indiana. Thank you for that message, Chris. It's worth pointing out quite a big difference between the US and the UK. And I think that the rest of Europe is in line with the UK. You say arrests are a matter of public record. In fact, they're not. Details of being arrested are covered by the GDPR, the Data Protection Directive that applies across Europe and still applies in the UK even after we've left the EU. And that means that this is personal information and there are laws against sharing it. So the only circumstances under which you can find out whether somebody's got a criminal record are a few circumstances relating to domestic violence and child abuse. And then if you need to do a DBS, that's a disclosure and barring service check, if you're going to employ somebody, and then there's a fee of about £25 to do a DBS check if it's a legitimate thing to do, as I said, if you're going to employ somebody in, in a post where it's important to know that they don't have a criminal record, so working with children, working with vulnerable people and so forth. Otherwise, you can't find out whether somebody has been arrested. Court appearances, yes, those will, will be public unless there is anonymity applied. So if you catch a court proceeding, you'll be able to get that. But once something like a driving ban has been spent, again, it's not a matter of public record except for those with a legitimate need to know, you'll be able, if you're a family member, I think you're also able to find out if somebody's been arrested. But by and large, if you wanted to find out, has somebody been arrested, even if you, there's news about a kerfuffle in a pub and you think, oh, was that Harry who was arrested? There's no legal way of finding out. And I have a suspicion that Harry was drinking somewhere where he was not particularly known. So right. if nobody from Ambridge was there, 
nobody around there knows the identity of the person except Harrison, of course. And so I, I don't think it will leak out. Before we move on to talk about our Facebook page, let me just make another brief mention of the Academic Archers and their conference planned for the weekend of the 27th and 28th of April at the Quakers Meeting House, Euston Road, London. The box office is now open and the links to that can be found in the show notes. We are looking to organise some sort of meetup, and I think that uh, Sue, Sue, is, yeah, Sue, is going to see about organising that. So more information down the line. Let's move on to Facebook, where we have lots of very busy, friendly, and thoughtful and thought-provoking members, and we need to give a very warm welcome to the newest of them, who are Elaine Hughes, Ness McCluskey, Pip Karakashian. Clover Slack and Lucy Such. Now, before we hear what our Facebook group has been talking about this week, we're still looking for an additional volunteer to cover the first week of each month. So if you think you can do it, get in touch with us, please. But for this week, we have our Witherspoon. Greetings, Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media roundup. This dog person started the week by asking if there was a difference between mewing and meowing, as Hilda was noted to be mewing. Ray Milner responded that mewing is cat for, Oh, look, I'm small, defenseless, and cute. Please, if you wouldn't mind, some food would be nice. Meowing is cat for, Oi, my food bowl is empty. What the heck are you playing at? It's been a strong week for Emma, who impressed our Sue Lee. Melanie Shropshire added, none of that grundy, downtrodden attitude for her. Helen Blackburn, on the other hand, thought that Emma had an unbelievable sense of entitlement and was extremely pushy. She was also concerned that Miles has an ulterior motive. Glennis Goodwill also doubted Miles. Let them use the land for free? Nah. But Hazel Morris pointed out that a landowner would be grateful to get his land managed for free without having to pay the farmer. Tuesday brought us a deep dive into decor design, spurred on by the unlikeliest of makeover mavens, Vince. I think Dumpty Dumbers embraced the discussion about this because we didn't want to talk about the last scene between Jolene and her unwanted gentleman caller. Pauline Tebbett and most posters did not want to see cowhides on the walls of the Bridge Farm Cafe, even if it would soften the noise level of the room. I posted photos of a well-known restaurant in New York where I had lunched on Monday that reminded me of the new tea room, down to its Scandinavian wood tables, uncomfortable chairs, and bare walls. My husband, who's in the business, hates noisy restaurant rooms. But Joan Dines Reynolds pointed out that noisy restaurants lead to people having shorter mealtimes and more turnover of tables. Then Wednesday came, and there were more serious matters at hand, as Harry's alcoholism was fully revealed. Not a kind word was written about him on our Facebook page. Among the many comments from Ann Stevenson, that's what I like about Dumpty Dummers. We can smell a rat a mile off. From Jonah Titchmarsh, I thought he was a complete creep from the off. Ruby D was a little more empathic. Oh, 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 Harry. He's behaving like a troubled teenager with a real set of issues. Thursday brought a question from Dumpty Dumbers. Was Elizabeth unconsciously plotting the demise of Vince when she asked him to get the ladder and help David with a project on high? 
William Nolan and Soyan Jordan thought so, with Bonnie McLean adding, murder on her mind. Chris Gibson questioned Harrison and Fallon's tactics. Sandra Jenkinson replied that Harrison doesn't want to lose his job. Jack Watts wondered if there were police procedures for the situation that Harrison has found himself in and asked why he doesn't speak with Mom, who earlier in the week made a cameo appearance. I pulled out my crystal ball and predicted that Harry would be involved in a fatal accident as a result of driving and drinking. Well, it didn't happen on Friday, perhaps when he drives home on Sunday. On Friday, we also heard Harrison spilling the beans to Alice. Heather Jones warns him not to do it, but he didn't heed her strong advice. The week ended with Will offering to loan the money to his brother and Emma so she, they could start their course. Julia Delwich was taken with his generosity and gave a, ah, Will. I'll let that be the last word. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Witherspoon, and thank you so much to everyone on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. If you'd like to join them, please do. Don't forget to answer the very easy membership questions so that we know that you're a real person. Did we have any reviews this week? No, I don't know why we're doing this, Stephen. Nobody bothers reviewing us anymore. We need those reviews. Get out there, please, people. Yes, please do. See if you can give us a review, ideally on Apple Podcasts, equally on any other medium through which you get this podcast. Just please give us a review. And a good now, one. A good one, a five-star one. Now, on to Twitter, where you'll find us at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired who use screen readers can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. And as well as at Dumpty Dum, I can be found at Wenlock House. And I can be found at Jberto Sanguin. But we've both been a little bit on Blue Sky, where I am at jberto.bsky.social. And I am at wenlock.bsky.social. So let's find out who has won the Twitter medals this week. Tweet, tweet, pushcat. Or should that be XX these days? Hello, Stephen, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with Tweets and Skeets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen and everyone else who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Blue Sky, there was some rather dark speculation about Harry driving and who he might kill. But some slightly more appealing speculation on whether Alice might end up helping him to sobriety. Meanwhile, Finton the Wrong has a very strange theory about Harry's injury to his pelvic area that you'll have to read for yourself if you're interested. Meanwhile, on Twitter, there are an awful lot of images of cow hides on walls and other cafe decor. And in the usual display of expertise from the Archers listeners, we had an exposition from Simon Oliver, Vicky Timms, Winston Texas and others about the fact that a pub would always have a glass washing machine that is separate from the dishwasher, so the glasses are kept clean and away from the food dregs. Who knew? And on both platforms, there's a lot of incredulity about why the Wolverhampton mafioso Marky is giving Jolene chapter and verse on all the reasons she should dob him in to the old Bill. Now, it's time for the medals for Blue Sky Skeets and X posts, all of which we continue to consider as Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Charlie Notton, at 19CEN. Sounds like Tony will be building a model version of the Parisian underground, 
a sort of mini metro. The silver medalist is Sam D at samdean.bsky.social with David saying, don't worry, everything's under control. And then Morgan Freeman's narrator voice. Shortly after this, a massive explosion was heard after a lit candle-carrying barmaid slipped on a carelessly shaken cocktail glass of cherry disgust that David had misjudged. And the gold medal goes to Nick to check your sheds, responding to some of the gory images of animal hides on the walls of the tea room. Silence of the Texel lambs. I ate his liver with some bridge-fresh broad beans and a nice cherry daiquiri. And on that horrible note, that's it for this week. I hope to see you all on Hashtag The Archers on Twitter or Blue Sky next week. Thank you for that, Theo, and congratulations to all who are mentioned in this week's roundup. And don't forget that we're on Instagram at Dumpty Dum, where Theo is still looking after things. But if there is any Dumpty Dumber out there who'd like to take over, please let us know. Next week, we'll be recording at the normal time, which is first thing Saturday morning. So please get your calls in by midnight on Friday UK time. And as we come to the end of this episode, we need to say thanks to all our wonderful contributors and to the whole Dumpty Dum team who look after our social media and support us so well. Thanks to you lot too. This lovely Dumpty Dum community is why we carry on doing this every week. Even without reviews. Yeah. And we must say thank you to Kim Durham and Sonny Ormond for their voices and to our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. And we are now off to climb a mountain stage by stage with our sandwiches. So it's au revoir from me. And it's goodbye from me. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.